Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm your host, Davey Blackburn, and joining me today is a special co-host, not Emily, but our new executive pastor, John Barry. John, good to have you, man. Appreciate it, man. It's good to be here. This is awesome. Emily is in the middle of a massive move, and I thought it'd be fun to bring you on. We talked about you last podcast. Actually, more specifically, we talked about your wife. (laughs) Yeah, she texted me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We talked about Pepper. We talked about you guys moving up here, how excited we are about that. So I thought it'd be awesome for our listeners abroad, which, by the way, we just found out this past week, 24,000 people in February downloaded the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. That's amazing. That's insane. So to the 24,000 listeners, or who knows, maybe by now it's 28,000, I want to introduce you, John Barry, our new executive pastor. John, welcome to Indianapolis. Welcome to Resonate. Tell us a little about, about yourself, man. Yeah, well, first off, thanks for, for allowing me to be a part of this team. It's yeah. exciting. Um, yeah, grew up in North Carolina and uh, lived there my whole life. So we um, went to App State. If there's any Michigan fans up here, I'm sorry about that yes, six years ago. So. I think it was six years ago. Anyway. Dude, don't be humble. Biggest game of ever. That's right. Right? right? App State versus Michigan. That's right. You were a quarterback at App State. Don't be humble. I was. I was a quarterback at App State for all of two years. (laughs) I was the practice team uh, quarterback. QB3. Got my my, uh, self torn up quite a few times by our first team defense so um but yeah went to app state and met my wife pepper there and that is her real name yes and uh and so i get called salt quite a bit uh, yes the jokes on them though so um yeah we met there got married in 2003 and uh i jumped right into ministry right out of school mm. so served at a little baptist church there in boone for about five years and then we were called to a church near fayetteville north carolina fort bragg area i was a student pastor worship pastor family pastor for about 10 yeah. years, did, did a little bit of everything there. And then uh, in the meantime, we had four kids while we were there. So we have Channing seven, Xander's six, Zane is four, and Emerson is a year and a half old. So <laughs> You finally got your baby girl. Yes. At the very yes. end there. <laughs> and uh, she is just as tough as the boys. Man. So gets knocked around quite a bit, but she's awesome. Um, I, I'm sure this is a future podcast conversation, but Loving girls is so different than loving boys. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's true. a it's a great great thing. So very true. So yeah, about um, I don't know. I've been at that church, uh, Liberty, there at near uh, Spring Lake, North Carolina, for about ten years, mm. and I was not looking for a job. And <laughs> um, in July of this past summer, I started getting phone calls from people I knew in the ministry, just mm. saying, "Hey, would you come join us in ministry? Would you?" Uh, think about this opportunity, that opportunity, and and it started with a mentor I had. He he was actually looking for a lead pastor, and and uh, just wasn't a good fit for us. And and but it started this thought process for the barriers, yeah. like, hey, is this is this the Lord? Is He doing something in our life? And um, so about uh, I I think it was middle of August, sometime around there. I get a call from, I was on my way to a farm with the family, just doing something fun on a Saturday. And and our friend Brad yep. Cooper down at New Spring, I grew up with him. I mm-hmm. uh, taught him everything he knows. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he calls me and says, hey, um, I'm not sure if this is okay, but I just gave your name to a friend of mine <laughs> up in Indianapolis, and he's going to call you about a job. And I was like, okay, whatever. You know? <laughs> so um, I, was, I just thought, yeah, here, here goes another one. We're, point, we're not yeah. really going to move, you right. know. And uh, so, yeah, you called me a, a few days later, and I think we talked on the phone about an hour and a half or so, just hit it off. Yeah. Uh, come to find out our bro- my brother knew mm-hmm. you from your time in Greenville, and, mm-hmm. and uh, so small world there, but um, that, that led to another conversation, kind of a dating relationship there, <laughs> and, and uh, Pepper and I, during this season, we weren't even expecting to, to move or to have something like this come in our, our plate, and we just kind of open-handedly just kind of praying and asking God, hey, what's next? Yeah. What's going on here? So, yeah. so yeah, you guys invited us up. And as soon as we got here to Indianapolis, we knew something was in a good way, a little off, you yeah. know, like like God was stirring something in us, which we did not expect. Mm. I just thought it was a fun weekend with my wife up here in <laughs> Indianapolis, which we'd never been up here before. So, um, but yeah, just to come up here and, and 
you guys uh, have been so gracious to to bring our family up, and it's been fun getting to know your staff and mm-hmm. and this church, uh, everybody who's a part of this community. It's been a lot of fun. So well, we have thoroughly enjoyed having you guys so far, and looking forward to a lot of a lot of years of just getting in the trenches together. It's yeah. going to be a lot of fun reaching people. And I just I knew and it was probably man, it's probably about a year and a half ago that I started feeling the stirring and having a lot of conversations that. There were these three fronts of ministry, so to speak, that I really felt my heart um, being tugged toward, and it was hard because I felt like I was, it was being tugged in three different fronts, in some ways, and that was the church. You know, this thing that Amanda and I started. That um, essentially, if you think about it, that that Amanda literally gave her life for. Mm. That we both decided long before, you know, um, she passed away. We, we decided we were going give to our, give our life to this thing. In fact, one of the conversations that were prof- was profound for me was um, conversations we were having about, you know, wills and life insurance and stuff when Weston was born. And she looked at me, I'll never forget, and said, if anything were to happen to me, I want you to spend the rest of your life building this church and reaching the city, hmm. you know? And so that's given me a lot of assurance to know that I'm supposed to, even in the midst of all of this stuff that's happened to us, that I'm supposed to be here on the home front and, um, and, and, and build this church because this thing is going to, it's going to be something that turns a city upside down. And, yeah. and it really is right now helping a lot of hurting people. And so I've got that front, but then we also have this like urban ministry that we're trying to do as a church and trying to step in and shine light in the dark places of our, of our city and, and, um, intercept kids before they step into a life of gang related, drug related activity and reverse the curses that really upended my home. Yeah. And then, um, and then also this crazy ministry that God's given us. And I keep saying outside of the church, right? Like the, you know, traveling somewhere and speaking and the podcast and the people who are watching our services from all over the the globe. And, um, and it's like, man, there's three fronts of ministry. How do, how do we do this? How do I balance this tension? And early on people were saying, um, really wise counsel saying, you need to bring in someone that can help you align those things operationally. Um, an executive pastor, so to speak. And mm-hmm. so I think I put it off for like a year and a half, just not even knowing what that looks like. And finally called my friend Brad and said, dude, I've just got to go after this. Like, put your ears to the ground if you know somebody. A week later, he calls me and he's like, I think I've got someone that would be perfect for you guys. And so mm-hmm. it's just a God thing, man, that yeah. he connected us. And, and now we're able to work together to say, okay, how do we put systems in place to connect people here in Indianapolis to Jesus, to equip them to do ministry mm-hmm. at, at, in their spheres of influence, to help them understand what their purpose, their God-given purpose is, yeah. and send them out to do ministry. And then also, how do we as a church, how do we steward this ministry that God's given us across the, the world? Right. And um, it's it's been fun and interesting trying to figure that out. And we definitely don't have any of it figured out, but we're, no. <laughs> we're going to keep trying. No, but that's the fun part. It you know, is. <laughs> you keep saying, man, this is a lot of work. And I just keep smiling because I love this. <laughs> I love challenges. I love attacking problems. So yeah. and it, it's because it's for the kingdom. You know? That's right. It's, it's totally just for the kingdom and, and uh, you know, one more person that needs to know who Jesus is. Right and feel his love and, and let their life be changed. Uh, you never know what kind of impact that will have generations from now. Absolutely. You know, uh, as, as that uh, foundation moves down through those families. So yeah. so, yeah. And we always say that, you know, this podcast is like hope in your headphones, right? But what our, <laughs> what our real hope for people who are listening to this is, is that they're, they're getting connected to a life-giving community, biblical community, a church that is that is helping them to heal through all of their yesterdays, through the mm. things that have you know, the pains and the hurts that they've been carrying and, and things that they're going through right now, because you really do need that community of people around you. And so that's that's been our hope for this podcast even, is that people are getting connected to Jesus, but then also we can help them get connected to a local church as well. And today we have an interview with a local church pastor. He's not a senior pastor, but he's a pastor of a church here locally in Indianapolis. And his name is Jake Baird. His story has been massively instrumental um, as we've walked through our story. I'll never forget sitting down and having coffee with him right after Amanda and I moved here and him telling me his story of losing his wife. And it it kind of like I was expecting before she passed. No, this was before this was before Amanda passed. Yeah, yeah. 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 But it but it was about two years after his wife passed, mm, wow. and I thought we were just sitting down talking shop, talking ministry. You know, here I right. am, just like, all right, I'm excited. We moved into the city. Like, let's connect with some other churches that are doing some really great stuff. And 
let's figure out how to reach people. And he shares this story with me. And I remember just hearing this story being told with a voice of faith and strength. And I went home and told Amanda that there's no way that I'd be able to walk through what he's walked through with that kind of faith. Mm. There's no way. Um, and little did I know that, that I would be facing that um, a few short years uh, later. And so, so Jake has just been extremely instrumental mm. in, um, in, in helping me as we've walked through a lot of this. Yeah. And he, uh, he came the Sunday after Amanda passed, came to our church, prayed over Weston, and uh, really spoke some, some faith and encouragement into our mm. church into our and into our family we had a lot of family that was there for yeah. Amanda's celebration service and so amazing how God just uh, orders our steps yeah right? he goes before us and plans things for us right. so that I mean I, there are things I haven't shared with you mm. just about me and what God's done in my heart to prepare me for this season yeah as well which is really crazy just some of the things but uh, but yeah he just goes before us and uh, really just makes a way, makes mm. the path smooth for us. And, and what a comfort that is, right? Oh, just absolutely. through that. Yeah, and if you can kind of look through the God lens, you can start to see how he has gone before you. And it gives you the assurance that he's in control of mm-hmm. all of this. Yeah. That he's not surprised by any of our circumstances. Our situ- he's not like... <laughs> yeah, he's never said, whoops. <laughs> oh, no. What, what just happened there? I didn't see that one coming. Right. That's, you know, that's where we live. But he's not, so we can rest in, yeah. in that. But So good. Very cool. Well... Let's dive into this interview with with Jake Baird. It's a phenomenal one, and uh, I want you guys to to really, really um, be blessed by this. So let's dive in. Awesome. Jake, it's great to have you on the podcast, man. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, Davey, it's good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, so we have quite a history, yeah, uh, an interesting history. And, and I explained a little bit on the, on the bumper of how we met, but I'd love to hear from your perspective, just kind of our relationship before we dive into your story, because it, you have an incredible story and your oh, story, man. God's used your story to encourage me so much through my story. And so I just feel it's an, it's an absolute honor to have you joining me on this right now. Oh, but man. I mean, talk to me about like your perspective of us, our relationship and how we, how we met and how, how all that transpired. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Well, it's, it's an honor to be here. And uh, I love you. I'm honored to be able to to be here and love watching you grow, watching the church grow. So um, love watching what you're doing in the community, man. It's mm-hmm. really inspirational. But uh, I think you. I think you and I we what did we meet about six years ago, maybe yeah. like right when you moved moved here, right? Yep. And uh, I remember sitting down with you at a coffee shop, and we just started yep. talking about church and life. And I think I had the opportunity to share some of my story with you that first time. Right. And uh, told you about my late wife, Kylie. And, yeah. Um, she, I'm sure we'll get into this, but, you know, she had just kind of suddenly, instantly mm. passed away in her sleep. And uh, so it was a tragic thing. We just had an eight-week-old baby boy. And so I was stuck as a, kind of as a single parent raising yeah. Judah, who was eight weeks, and then my other son, Nathan, yeah. uh, at that time. and. Um, but I remember getting to share some of that with you and, yeah. and you got to share your heart for the city and what yeah. you want to do. One of the things I've always admired about you is that you, you, and I think Amanda too, mm. you guys had a heart for the inner city right? and, and reaching the people that, you know, may not have as much as everybody else. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool about you, man. I, I've mm. always admired that. You know, it's always kind of sexy to go to a, a cool hip place, but... <laughs> It's true. You, uh, I don't know if you can say sexy on the podcast. But <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, You've said worse. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, I always always admired that about you, man, mm. that you guys wanted to come and weren't afraid to rough it to, yeah. to make it work. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll never forget that day at coffee because I left that Starbucks and I went home and I told Amanda all about you. And I said, you just, you wouldn't believe a story. And I literally said these words. I said, I don't think I could walk through something like that with that much faith. Wow. There's no way. Like, I don't see how he does it. He just, I said, I mean, he, he just shared his story with me with this like faith and boldness that like he was confident that God was doing something great out of it. And I don't know how. Wow. And, um, and what, what you need to know, what the listener needs to know is that when, when everything happened to Amanda and, and in my life, you're one of the first people that came to my mind. Wow. Where we talk oftentimes about borrowing other people's faith. Yeah. Like sometimes you don't have the faith yourself. Yeah. You got to borrow people's faith because you got to, you got to look to somebody who says, Hey, listen, I've been there. I've done that. God is good. He's going to, he's going to carry you through this season. 
and and you were probably the first person that I borrowed faith from. There are a lot of people I borrowed faith from, but but you were probably the first one. So wow. it, again, is it's an honor to have you on this. I want you to just share a little bit of that story. Go into yeah. that a little bit more about some of your story of loss. Yeah. Well, so we probably got to back up a little bit. So my to kind of give everybody context. My dad was a pastor growing up, and um, PK. Yeah, PK man. Were yeah. you the like rebellious PK or the religious yeah. PK? So I like to say <laughs> you're right. There's really two There's different two. types of PKs, <laughs> and the way I like to say it is you've got either the the one who's clean as a whistle, does yep. everything by the book, and the good Christian, and then you've got the black sheep. And I always <laughs> like to I always like to tell people, let's just say I wasn't as clean as a whistle, right? <laughs> and um, you know, I, I always, I grew up knowing about the Lord, loved yep. the Lord. My dad actually was a Vietnam veteran. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, one of the, one of the dirty secrets of Vietnam was that there was a lot of drug use over there. And so he, uh, when he got out, he was addicted to heroin. Oh, when wow. he came back from Vietnam and he actually went to prison and got saved in prison, started a church in prison. Wow. And, uh, when he got out, planted a church, uh, in Castleton. Okay. And, uh, with some of the, some of the guys that he got saved in which that is, prison. Which is in Indianapolis. In yeah, which is in Indianapolis. Indiana yeah. yeah. And this was in like the, the late eighties when okay. he planted this church. So the, the name of this church, get this, you'll get a laugh out of this. This is the old charismatic days. It was called the Binding Force Christian Center. <laughs> oh yes. The Binding Force. Binding Force. I bind Christian you in the name of it. <laughs> That's right. I love it. Love it. Yeah, it was a great, you know, charismatic spirit filled yes. church. And, um, uh, so I grew up in that environment, right? but yeah, by the time I was a teenager, man, I was, I was getting into trouble and breaking the rules, yeah. getting kicked out of school. And, um, and from the time I was 18 to 21, I got in a lot of trouble with the law, um, uh, for drinking and mm. just, I was one of those kids that always got in trouble. My friends would get away. I'd always get caught. Mm. And, uh, so I, I went to about four different County jails in that time for drinking. Wow. And the final time I got arrested uh, the county jail that I was arrested in, uh, it was a, for a DUI. And uh, uh, they were looking at sending me to prison because I had had so many oh, wow. strikes. And uh, But they, uh, this specific county uh, was offering a drug court program, like a diversion program, a three-year diversion program. And uh, I decided with a little bit of uh, outside advice to, to do that. And uh, just a couple days later in jail... I recommitted my life to Christ, wow. and uh, and I'm telling you to this day, Davey, uh, you know I'm I'm in ministry now. Mm-hmm. I've been been walking with the Lord for you know 12 years now, but I've still never felt more free in my entire life than I did wow. in that cement block, man. Impressive. When I gave my life wow. back to back to Christ, and um, and so I uh, I tell you the it's amazing what God will do to yeah. somebody who who gives their life back. So to make a long story short, kind of he kind of the Lord started piecing my life back together. And, you know, I'm in this three-year program where I've got to do a lot of counseling and how there's like house arrests involved. And wow. uh, and so, but in the course of doing all that, I met my late wife, Kylie. She, yeah. I, the, the only job I could end up getting after being arrested there was working at a gas station. And, huh. um, and my driver's license was suspended. So I had to walk from the work release center to this gas station. It was a third shift job. And, uh, and one night I, I saw Kylie come in there and we started talking and we started dating and we ended up getting, uh, getting married just shortly after that, about a year after that. Wow. And, um, and Kylie always wanted to be a mom. Mm. Um, and, and that, that was, she had always told me she always wanted to be a mom, but I don't think I ever realized how much she really mm-hmm. wanted to be a mom until she became a mom. And, uh, about two and a half years after we were married, uh, we got pregnant with Judah. Uh, he's he's uh, seven now. Wow! So you know this is seven, almost seven years ago. Yeah. And so the uh, she gets pregnant. She has she has Judah, and just before she gave birth to Judah, we found the church that I'm a part of now, I Town. Yeah. And um, it was a brand new church plant at that time, 2010, and uh, so we had been going there, attending there for about six months, she gives birth to Judah and she's like the happiest person on the face of the planet. Wow. And uh, it was just amazing to see, it was like she just changed. Like she yeah. really did just want to be a mom, you know, it was incredible. But eight weeks after he was born, after Judah was born, uh, 
she we were getting ready for bed for the night and she had told I could tell she was looking a little sick in her mm. in her face her face was a little green and she was telling me hey I'm, I'm just not feeling too well tonight and I was like it's okay just, let's just go to bed sleep mm. it off and um, she was nursing Judah at this time so she uh, she told me I'm probably gonna need your help with Judah tonight mm. and so I said okay that's all right and I went to bed and I'll never forget I woke up out of a dead sleep it's probably 11 30 12 o'clock at night but it's one of those, you know, when you just wake up out of yeah. a dead sleep, mm-hmm. like, and you're wide awake. Mm-hmm. And I rolled over, and I just called her name, and she didn't respond. And I called her name again, and she didn't respond. And I noticed that her body was, like, taking these big, deep breaths, like, every three mm-hmm. or four seconds. But she wasn't responding to me. And I knew something was wrong. And probably a minute or two after that, I gained my senses. And, and I knew in that moment that she wasn't coming back. Mm-hmm. But it was surreal because yeah. even though I knew she wasn't coming back, it was like I still had to walk the, through the process right. of trying to revive her and right. call in the ambulance. And But the whole time I knew she wasn't coming back. Yeah. And and so I made a couple phone calls at that time. One of them was to, um, you know, I would consider him a close friend, but also he's like a brother to me, but my pastor, mm-hmm. Pastor Dave. And uh, I called him in the middle of the night. He picked up and uh, I told him, what happened? Hey, Kylie, it's not breathing. We're going to go to this hospital. And he was there. He showed up there. Mm. And they, they rushed Kylie off to the hospital, tried to revive her, couldn't get her back in about an hour. And to try and revive her, they came out and told me, hey, we can helicopter to another ho- helicopter her to another hospital, but it probably won't, probably won't help. Mm. And so we decided there just to, I made the decision to just stop. And, uh, and I remember walking into the, the room, the doctors left and just let me be with her. And the only other person in that room with me was was Pastor Dave. Mm-hmm. And I remember just whispering in Kylie's ear that we're going to be okay and everything's going to be all right. And then we just, uh, we let her go. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had some I had some good close friends with me along the way. Um, I, I, I'm remarried now. I'll get to that part of my story, but obviously didn't know my wife at that time, my mm-hmm. new wife at that time. And, uh, but Pastor Dave and Kate were, were integral in yeah. helping me piece my life back together. They actually kind of brought me under their wing, let me live with them, and really just taught me how to be a man and how mm. to be a parent. Uh, and and I'm in ministry now at, at I-Town, the church mm. they planted, but uh, I never went to Bible school. I never, mm. I never even went to, never went, went to, I went to one semester of, not even one semester, two weeks of college at a local yeah. college here, Davey. Yeah. So on paper, I should be a, a deadbeat after walking <laughs> through all of this stuff, yeah. right? But because of people like like my pastor, Dave mm-hmm. and Kate Summerall, they brought me in and just everything that I know about ministry, how to be a man, how to live comes from close relationships wow. like that helping wow. me along the way. Yeah. And um, of course you 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 know, you fast forward now and we can get into some of the details of yeah. how I got through that, but you fast forward now. Uh, I'm, I'm remarried now to my, my beautiful, wonderful wife, yeah. Cassie. She's a rock for our family. Yeah. And uh, we have another son, Valor, now, and he'll, he'll be two in just about a week. Mm. And, uh, and then my oldest, Nathan, is 13, and wow. uh, he's from a previous relationship. And so uh, we're, you know, we're navigating being a blended family. You're quite the blended yeah, family. Yeah, we're a blended family. We are. <laughs> we're going to ask some questions about yeah, that. Yeah, you can. Come on. Come on. Figure that out. Yeah, but it's, it's not easy, but yeah. it's, it's rewarding. And, um, uh, Cassie has since adopted officially Judah. So, wow. and and that's that's a cool process. And there's a lot of spiritual spiritual truth to just yes. the adoption process, which yeah. you may you may understand wow. here soon. And uh, but I'll tell you what the because uh, when they when you walk through the adoption process, they literally change the birth certificate. If if Judah wants a copy of his birth certificate, it says that his mother is is Cassie wow. Baird. And uh, that doesn't mean he loses the memory of Kylie. I think what's cool about that is that's what God does for us. Yeah. You know, when he adopts us into his family, our old name disappears. Right. And we get a brand new name, man. Yeah. And it was just kind of cool to walk, to walk through that process. And so there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of pain that I've had mm. to deal with along the way because of my own stupid decisions. I heard mm. a great, great man of God say one time that you can pick your decisions, but you cannot pick your consequences. Wow. And so uh, I'm a living testimony of that, that even though I love God and love his church and love yeah. his people, uh, you know, the mistakes I made as a young person, I still have to live with those. Mm. And consequences don't just go away when you fall in love with Jesus. Right, and right. that brings 
you to a place where you got to learn to walk through some pain yeah. and some tough time. But True. so I ho- hope that helps. A Absolutely. Bit. So l- let me let me dive into the details of that. Like maybe the yeah. first three to six months after um, Kylie passed away. Yeah. You're. You know, you you said you were living with Dave and Kate, Pastor Dave and Kate, right? They brought you in. Yeah. So kind of. Yeah. So I would. Uh, uh, they would on the weekends. I would stay with them. Okay. And then uh, I would. I eventually ended up staying with my my stepmom and dad sometime during the week as yeah, well. Okay. So I'd kind of bounce back, bounce and, back forth and forth from those two places. It had to have been a very um, formidable time for you. Obviously, having just walked through um, pain that you didn't cause in your yeah. life. But I guess what I'm just picking up right now, the uniqueness of maybe that season for you is that there was pain before that that you caused in your life blended yeah. with and mixed with the pain that you didn't cause. What kinds of things in those three months, like what, what was it like navigating through those things? Sure. I'm sure that those things affect the pain that you did cause, I'm sure affected whether consciously or subconsciously yeah. the pain that you didn't. So how did that play yeah. out as you're trying to learn about God's purpose and all yeah. of that? It's a great question. And uh, I'll tell you this, that I have, I think I have some answers, but I definitely don't have yeah. all the answers. Isn't that the case? Like yeah. it's, you're going, well, I, you know, I feel like I've got the answer for now, but God right. keeps showing me stuff and I'm like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, Which is encouraging because as you're walking through this, you're like, okay, God continues. We see dimly right now is what scripture says. Yep. As we continue to walk through this, we'll see more and more of the character and nature of Christ. Yeah. And that's the beauty of healing is that he keeps pulling the veil back away from our eyes to show us so good. a more beautiful picture of what he's doing in all so of this. Good. Yep. But yeah. Yeah, so for me, um, you know, some of the some of the pain that I I didn't cause and even the pain that I did cause, um, I think you I think just because of the nature of sin, Davy, you probably spend your whole life kind of working through it yeah. at some level. Now mm-hmm. there's a total difference between living in your pain and never getting past it mm. and working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Wow. I think yep. there's a big difference. Yep. But I'll say this, that the uh, the thing that I've learned in the process is it, it's, it's probably bigger than this, but the way I see the world is there's really, when it comes to pain and tragedy and walking through pain, there's really two different types of people. And I don't mean to put people in a box, so that's just the way I, right. I see it is some people experience great pain and um, they never learn to get past their pain, so they spend their yeah. whole life focused on their pain. Wow. And then there's an, another set of people that walk through the same type of pain or same experience, but they find something bigger than their pain to live for. Wow, yep. And I think when you find something bigger than your pain mm. to live for, we call it purpose, right? When yep. you find a purpose in your life, life starts to make sense. Mm. And, um, and don't get me wrong, like the people who get stuck in their pain, you know, they, they, they'll oftentimes, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be stuck in 10 years ago or 20 mm-hmm. years ago or what they walked through. Um, and, and they'll, they'll go to lots of counseling and, and counseling's good. You know, I see mm-hmm. counselors, counselors right. are great, but there's a difference between, you know, going to see somebody and never taking steps forward yeah. and going to see somebody with like, Hey, let's get through this. I want to yeah. get past this. Um, but, you know, exp- let me get back to just a few months after that to answer yeah. your question. So a few months after the the tragedy, uh, a couple things happened for me. I had some experiences. I experienced most of my pain of losing Kylie uh, in my dreams, which is really wow. interesting. Okay. Um, I don't know if the Lord was kind of guarding me from mm-hmm. some things, um, but I had, I had found very shortly after, thanks to Pastor Dave and Kate, I had, I had found a purpose. Mm. They brought me in under their wing and yep. let me be a part of the church, let me lead, trusted me with a lot. Wow. And uh, so I had opportunities that I'd never had before. And I had felt this calling on my life to yeah. be in ministry. I'd always felt it. And, and they were allowing me to walk that out. And so the best way I know how to describe it in those early months was that I feel like I, I had this sense that life is short mm. and... We don't have a lot of time left because mm-hmm. Kylie was only 23 when she right. passed away. Right. Healthy, shouldn't have passed away at that age. And um, uh, just so that the listeners know too, she what actually happened was her heart had just stopped beating in the middle mm-hmm. of the night. There was no previous ailment or anything. She, uh, she, The doctors ran eight weeks of tests at the Mayo Clinic, said she was severely dehydrated and looks like there was an electrolyte imbalance. It's wow. like, what do you do with that? Yeah, right? no joke. Not, you don't even really get a clear answer. Yeah. And so... So I remember feeling like, okay, 
I, I've got a purpose in my mm-hmm. life now, and I'm just going to run full throttle at that right. purpose. And I think it was good, Davey, but also looking back on it now, you know, this is, mm-hmm. you know, seven, seven years ago now, uh, looking back on it now, there was a lot of pain that I didn't deal with mm-hmm. along the way. I think there's value when you look at the scriptures and watch how God in the Old Testament told his people to mourn. Yeah. And oftentimes he would tell them to mourn for an extended period of time, 30 mm-hmm. days, or I'd have to go back to look at the scripture to know the exact time. Right. But he would give them timelines to mourn, and then he would say, okay, your mourning time is over. It's over, Now yeah. it's time to go. Right. And I, and, and I think we don't, maybe we don't mourn the right, the right way in our culture and it allows us to bring right. it into our future a little more than we should. Because what they do, what they did back in, like the Israelites' time, when yeah. God, they stopped everything. Yeah. Like they actually focused on their mourning. It's like you didn't go to work for a week. I think it was like a week if you lost someone you knew that was just like a friend or something, right? Sure. The week was yeah. the morning. 30 days was, um, I think 30 days was actually a husband or wife. Yeah. And then a year was actually a child or parent, which is interesting. I would have thought that it'd be reversed. Like, sure. That like a husband or wife would be a year because yeah. that feels like a gutting. You know, like anything let, else, but if I can interject there, it's, yeah. it's interesting because I wanted to wanted to share this, and this is probably a good time to share. I think in our culture, because you're talking, you're, you're, what you're talking about right now is different types of pain, right, right, different levels of pain. And I think in our culture, we actually do our in the American culture, we do ourselves a disservice by rating right. different levels of pain. Yes. All right. So you and I have both walked through similar tragedies mm-hmm. of losing a spouse. Um. But um, I think in our culture, we say, hey, if you lose a spouse or you lose a child, that's really the most painful thing you can feel. Right. But I would disagree with that statement mm-hmm. because what, what you and I experienced and the level of pain that we felt could feel like the exact same type of pain yes. to a teenage girl who breaks up with her boyfriend at homecoming. Yep. It could feel like the same type of pain yeah. to that little 10-year-old boy whose parents get a divorce right. or that little girl who's abused as a child. It can feel like the same type of pain. Yeah. So we do ourselves a disservice by labeling and, le- and I think creating these levels of mm-hmm. pain because people can experience the type of pain that you and I have walked through yep. in all different types, yep. forms, and fashions. It's like emotional pain threshold. And just because you're you know, maybe the incident is, seems, seems graver or more severe, you know, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a higher pain threshold. It's just that the way you perceive pain. It's good. Right. It's like, so I'm, you, you're either, I don't, you still do CrossFit? Still do, do, CrossFit? Yeah, man. Still do you CrossFit? Still are, you in the <laughs> yeah. o- are you in the open right now? Not in the open okay. right now, man. No. So I'm seeing this like physical trainer right now because I've got yeah. some shoulder issues going on or whatever. And yeah. she's asking me, she's like, hey, is this is this hurting? You know, she's digging in hard. She's got the yeah. little machine hooked up to my pec muscle and she's yeah. working stuff out, trying to get my shoulder all back adjusted. And and she's like, normally people are like yelling at me at this point. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. Maybe I have a different pain threshold. But Come it on. triggered me to think like, well, I didn't do anything to control that pain threshold. It's just whatever, you know, some people interpret that press right there is really mm-hmm. painful to them. Yep. Their body senses it a that's lot good. more. It's like a different kind of trigger or yeah, synapses firing in their feelings. And and then, but for me, it it wasn't as, you know, it's that's and good. so you can't compare it. Yeah, you're right. You can't compare it it's because unfair. it very much is so. Yep, it's unfair. So we we, uh, you know, I, I had to walk through that. And mm-hmm. and anytime I tell my story, you know, I try to, I think, I want to help people see that. Um, and you can't you can't get through tragedy and pain in life without without God first right, of all right first and foremost and and I'm talking about like being in love with Jesus yeah you can't just go to church you can't just I love what Joyce Meyer says what she say you can't you can't just sitting in church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in the garage would make you a car yeah right so you <laughs> yeah this, this you gotta be in love with Jesus yeah and um and and that's something that I I'm continuing to work towards but mm. you know you gotta love Him with all of your heart, and then you got to have the right people around you. And so I'm so thankful for uh, the the friends and the mm. family that I did have around me in those times. And uh, there were so many people that surrounded me and could see the call of God on my mm. life. And uh, and by the grace of God, I think he continued to surround me with those people. But you know, when you're walking through pain, you, you definitely need people yeah. that can see, that are not just there to... to uh, 
they gotta they gotta push you forward. Mm-hmm. They gotta pull the best out of you. And I had those people in my life, and I wouldn't be who I am today without my church, mm-hmm. my family, you know, my, my church family, and um, those close friends. You were you were talking about um, how you 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 found purpose in your pain right away. Yeah. Or not right away, but pretty close yeah, to it. Really like close. You, you yep. dove into serving other people, yep. which I think is the right thing. I mean, I think it's like, hey, you, like what you said earlier, we've got to we've got to find something to live for the, that's greater than our yeah. pain, and that helps us keep our eyes off of ourselves. I think pain perpetuates when we have an inward focus. Yeah. Right. Because then we're then we're just it's just this cyclical, festering, nasty thing that results in hurt people hurt people because we're all just focused on ourselves. But if we get our eyes above ourselves, we start looking to how can I help other people even while I'm hurting? It's good. Then that really helps to bring purpose. You're living something for, you know, living for something greater than that. But you alluded to the fact that like diving headstrong into it was also a little bit detrimental to you. Can you explain that a little bit and what what that looked like? Absolutely. So it's actually something that I'm just now beginning to recognize. Mm. So, you know, we're seven years into this. And uh, to give, you know, to give your listeners a little bit of context, um, you know, the church that I'm I'm a part of, that I get to, I'm one of the associate pastors there. It's really one of the highest honors in my life to be able Mm. to do that. Being a father and being a, a pastor, I think, are a husband, a father, and a pastor, the, the greatest things I get yeah. to do. But the church that we were part of grew really, really fast. Yeah. You know this, grew really, really fast. And like ungodly fast. It's really, really fast. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, really fast. I town just went, yeah. you know? It's amazing. Up. It's incredible what God's doing. Yeah, and and it was, um, uh, you know, I'd never been a part of anything. Yeah. I, hadn't, I hadn't been a part of a business that had grown that fast. I'd never yeah. been a part of any organization that had grown that fast. And um, the the team of us, it was just Pastor Dave and Kate, myself, and one other guy, Eric mm-hmm. Neal, at the beginning there, and um, that were on staff. Wow. We had a great, uh, the, the Pastor Dave and Kate had built a great team, and there was a great team around us that served yeah. and volunteered. But as far as staff, you know, there was just a couple of us. Mm-hmm. And um, so being a part of that, you have to do everything. Right. You know, the the building that we're in now, like our our construction team to renovate the building was like us. Well, I remember being, I remember, I'll never forget, we were there chipping, we were there chipping tiles. Pastor Dave went to Lowe's and picked these little child, <laughs> picked these child, uh, tile chippers up yep. and we're chipping tiles and tile pieces are, are, are bouncing off the floor, cutting our shins up. <laughs> and it's just, we're pulling carpet up, it was nasty. But we had to do all that work mm. by ourselves in the early days. So you throw yourself into this and, and you're doing all this work and, and you guys know what it's like mm-hmm. to be, to do all this work and then you got to turn around and, and you know you pull off the weekend and yeah. you got to love people so you're running so fast you're having a great time but then you know you fast forward 3 or 4 years into that mm. it's like you're sprinting mm. you've been sprinting the whole time and you're sprinting in this purpose and it's amazing and but eventually you get tired man yeah you can't sprint a marathon yeah wow you can't sprint a marathon right and uh I think that's kind of what I found myself doing. I was running really, really fast, pushing really, really hard. And uh, there were a bunch of times as the church was growing that, man, I I started to feel depressed. I started to feel Mm -hmm. anxious. A lot of stuff in the early days, I didn't recognize really what depression was, or I didn't really recognize what burnout was. I Mm -hmm. was just having these sensations and trying to figure out how to manage them. And, um, you know, you, you kind of fast forward to where I'm at now in life and I'm recognizing, wow, what I walked through there was some depression and that was some burnout because wow. of situations that happened in my life at that time. And so navigating that, I think, is really difficult. Yeah. Even when you, because even when you find purpose, I think you still have to pace yourself. Yeah, that's good. You still wow. got to pace yourself. That's really good. Whew. You know, because we all have a long race to run if yeah. God's going to give that's, us. That's it. You know, scripture says that this is, this we're supposed to run the race to win, yeah. But the race that's set out before us, you know, it's not a sprint. Yeah, it's this long haul type marathon of a race. Yeah, that um, that that it's going to take a lot of endurance. I see uh, everywhere in Scripture, right? Paul in his letters are there. He's admonishing people for endurance. Yeah, endurance. You know? That's good. Yeah, like that's the. It's like the. Uh, I told our congregation this a couple of weeks ago that like. 
for me, I'm realizing God hasn't called me to have a big ministry. From the outset, he called me to have a faithful ministry. It's good. That lasts, right? So how do we have a ministry that lasts where we're not just like a a, a, a blip on the radar for a season? Yeah. We, we put a little splash in the pond for a season, but how do we create lasting ripples yeah. in the kingdom of God, you know, yeah. and, and for the kingdom of God? And so that should be all of our lives. Yeah. Right, That's so good, and um, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a marathon, yep. and oftentimes when you are thrust into some level of pain, whatever that level is, you can mask it a little bit yep. by purpose. Yeah, like it's such a weird. It's good. It's a weird conundrum because, because yep. I tell people all the time, I want you to find purpose in your pain because that's yep. helped me so much. Just like what you said, helps me to live for something bigger than my pain, yep. and yet this can't mask it. Yeah, my, my counselor said, "Hey, Davey, for the next year." Run as this is. This was I, I visited him in March, after Amanda passed away that the November. So it was you know five months, and sat down with a week a week of counseling, just intense intense counseling. And at the by the end of it, he said, "Okay, here's your next step for the next year. I want you to dive headfirst into ministry." He was trying to teach me, cool. "Hey, just just find purpose in this. This yep. thing is helping you to heal. So fine. Yeah. But after a year, let's have another conversation. Yeah. And let's he said titrate you back." Hmm. Right, like you wow. would with medication. Let's titrate you back to a more sustainable pace. Wow, you know, and I'm not sure. I'm. Fig- I think I'm trying to figure that out even now. Sure, it's like what does that mean? Yeah, sustainable pace. But I think you have to be attuned to like, okay, do I need some rest? Okay, I need to take some rest. Right. I, I, I'm not Superman here. I'm not the savior. I need to get out over my Messiah complex right yeah. now. Like, let me just. Yeah. This thing's gonna go without me. I can. Yeah. I'm okay to because I'm trying to figure out how to how to finish well how to finish strong. Yep. That's, That's our calling, right? That's absolutely right. I'm with you on that, man. Like f- finishing the race, mm-hmm. finishing the race has been where I want to be, wow. you know? And f- so for me, I, I when I, you know, three and a half years ago, I met Cassie. Yep. And uh, so I went four years without, you know, pursuing a relationship or after Kylie had passed mm-hmm. away, I didn't want to bring, I didn't want to do the whole dating scene mm-hmm. and didn't want to do that. And I had great, spiritual mentors around me that helped me. And in fact, Kate, Pastor Dave's wife, she actually, she helped, she actually pointed out Cassie nice. to me. She said, what do you think, <laughs> what do you think about Cassie? And, uh, and so, uh, she, Cassie and I started dating, um, in, uh, uh, about almost four years ago. And we, while we were dating, we dated 16 days and then I asked her to marry me. So I was just like, wow, let's, let's do <laughs> you this. You knew right away. Well, yeah. I told her, you know, and, and for all the young people out there, I didn't call, I didn't text her or Facebook message her or Instagram. I called her, right? Yeah. So yeah. called her vo- yep. voice to voice yep. <laughs> or face to face. Right. And, uh, and so I said, look, you know, I like you, I'm into you, and mm-hmm. I think you're amazing. And uh, But I would only want to pursue a relationship with you if it could potentially lead to marriage. So yeah. Are you interested in that? She, I'll never forget. She's like, I, I see the call of God in your life, and I'm I'm in. Let's wow. go. And so I knew that night I'd ask her to marry me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 16 oh. days later, I did. And then, but here's why I tell you that. So uh, she, she has been a rock for me, mm-hmm. but after we got married, um, is when I had one of my first like break, where I had a really bad wow. breakdown about four months after we were married. And uh, we got married in December and about four months after that, I had a, I had a, really a breakdown. I think wow. I was maybe, uh, maybe clinically depressed. Wow. Can you describe that a little bit? Like, what is that? Yeah. What's that feeling like? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, so I'm getting close to four months. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. Okay. To you, okay, okay. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> Uh, but but here's what happened for me. I had felt like now looking back on it, I had felt like uh, I really was sprinting this mm-hmm. whole time. Mm-hmm. And one of the, I think that in my mind, I felt like the finish line for me was getting married when mm-hmm. I get remarried. Wow. Because I and I think subconsciously I felt like this would be the thing that closes the door yep. on the tragedy. Wow. And if you're not careful, what I did there was I let the tragedy define me. Like it wow. became my part of my identity. <sighs> It's part of my story, but yep, it can't yep. be can't be your can't find your identity. Wow! In that, and so uh, I had there were some a lot of other factors too. We had yep. just launched our second campus. I was the the campus pastor, and um, so I got to kind of help pioneer launching our first campus. And so there was a lot of weight that came with that mm. that I wasn't ready for. And uh, but you know that 
I hit a brick wall mm. and without people around me to believe in me and not give up on me, I, I probably would have tapped out on ministry, Davey. Like just, wow. I was close to giving up and, uh, you know, cause the, the level of pressure mm-hmm. just seemed to be so overwhelming. And uh, I thank God that I didn't though, you know, yeah. and, and I would say to anybody out there who feels like giving up, especially if you're in ministry, Man, my dad used to say, sometimes you just got to tie a knot on the end of the rope and just hang on, baby. Yeah. Just weather the storm. Right. It, this too shall pass. Wow. And uh, if you don't give up, that's what the Bible says. If yep. you don't give up for those who endure till the end, right. they receive the crown. That's right. So you're going to go through seasons where you want to give up. Mm. That's when I, when I get to counsel couples, uh, pre-marriage counseling. I tell them there's going to, you know, because they got the rose-colored glasses Absolutely. on. They love each other. Yep. Oh, it's it's going to be amazing. <laughs> no, no, no. He's amazing. It's going to be amazing. But, and it, you know, it is going to be great. Yeah. Marriage is great. But there is going to come a time in every mm-hmm. marriage where I tell, and I usually tell the wife this first. I say, you're going to look at him, and there's going to come some time in the marriage where you're going to say, oh, my God, <laughs> I married the wrong person. That's going to happen to you. Right. And just know when that comes, when that thought comes, it's the enemy. You wow. don't have to believe it. It's a lie of the enemy. And, uh, and, and you're going to feel like you want to give up. Yeah. And so what I would say to any, anybody in ministry or in marriage or business person who's launching that dream in their heart, man, you just, you hang on, weather yeah. the storm. Yeah. It's supposed to be hard or right. everybody would be doing it. Right. Right. Anything that's worthwhile is hard. Yeah. And it's worth enduring. Yeah. Amen. That's so good, man. That's so good. So you, you know, you guys, you got married, you yep. joined this family, an, an incredibly eclectic blended family. Yeah, right? I mean, very. But, but a beautiful family. Talk to me about some of the ups and downs of that. Yeah. About blending the family and yeah. the, some of the nuances of that. Well, I first of all got to give all the credit to my wife, Cassie. Mm-hmm. She's unbelievable. And mm-hmm. when I look from the, from uh, a thirty thousand foot snapshot of what she had to walk into and be willing yes. to walk into. Yes, um, I give her. I don't think I recognized all of that at the beginning. Like yep. she was walking into a lot. You know, yeah. this single guy that has two children mm. by two different moms. One of them who passed away, mm. um, and has this. You know, I'm a, I'm a pastor at one of the, the larger churches in town, right. and there's a lot that she was walking into. Um, and she has been unbelievably graceful yeah. and uh, handled pressure better than anybody mm. I've seen. I think I think any other woman that stepped into her shoes would have given up on yeah. me after the first year. Yeah. So wow, she had a grace for it, and uh, and so, um, but but she one of the one of the dreams that was always in her heart was that she had always wanted to adopt a child. Wow. Or multiple children. Wow. So adoption was a dream Man. that God had dropped into her heart as a young girl. Wow. And she didn't know why he was dropping that dream into her heart, but she was going to walk into this. To prepare for you. Yeah. Wow. And so isn't it interesting how sometimes, God, I think sometimes God can give you a vision or a yeah. dream, but then when it comes to fruition, it looks totally different totally than what we yeah. imagined it to be. Because then God gets the credit for it. Yeah. Yep. We didn't We didn't fabricate it. We didn't manipulate our way to it. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. just trusting the Lord and he gets the credit. That's right. It's so cool. Yeah. But he still gave her the the palette for it. He still right. gave her the desire for exactly. it. Right? So she she kind of intuitively was looking for that, but didn't really know that she was making her way to that through yeah. me. And so she's been unbelievably gracious. She actually was our children's director, came on as our children's director mm-hmm. uh, at the church just shortly after we started dating, I think a couple of days after. She thought she was adopting several hundred kids. Huh? She thought she, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And she did a good job. And yeah. then we, uh, you know, when about four months after we were married and I, I kind of had that breakdown, we decided that um, it's time to, for her to stay home hmm. with the kids. And that was something that, you know, was, you know, going from two incomes to one was something yeah. we had to, to, to balance. But because of the complexity of our situation of mm-hmm. having Nathan, my oldest, who, you know, he lived on another side of town that was about a half hour away. And um, we would get him on the weekends and we were, were trying to get him one day during the week as well right. and trying to navigate that and then navigate having Judah in a preschool that maybe wasn't teaching him the best things. We didn't have Valerie mm-hmm. yet at the time. We decided it'd be best for her to stay home. And, and you know, I know not every family can do that, but it's been one of the healthiest things for yeah, our family wow. and balancing uh, the complexities of a blended family. Mm. And um, 
the the other thing that by God's grace, so so Cassie deserves, I think, all the credit. Mm. One of the things that by that God graced us with is a before Cassie ever came into the relationship, uh, Nathan's mom and I had we had a civil. It wasn't a, yeah. it wasn't like some of these really bad Very hostile. Co-par- yeah, yeah, co-parenting exactly. relationships. It was civil. Mm. And she was so re- she's remarried. His mom's remarried. And so it made it a little easier yeah. for her to step into that situation. Um, but her being home and managing the home, yeah. uh, you know, I manage all the, the finances and everything, mm-hmm. but she manages the details of keeping our home running, buying the groceries, mm-hmm. navigating where we're, what leagues we're going to get the children in, you know, what, <laughs> yeah. what we're going to do, all yeah. that stuff. And she does that in, in an amazing fashion. And, and yeah. that's really helped us. Wow. A lot. We also embraced um, we embraced a couple just simple principles to help us get yeah. rhythm in life. Good. And, I was about to ask you that. Yeah, this is <laughs> if you're yeah. trying to sit across. Let's say hypothetically, you're sitting across the table yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. from a guy who's also trying to navigate the same thing. What advice? Dude, come on, man. <laughs> it can't, it's not super easy. But here's here's some things that work for us. Um, we. We all, we've just decided that when things do start to get intense with Nathan's mom, Mm. we let her have the benefit of the doubt. And uh, even if it means we may not get to see his Nathan Mm. as much as we want to. Yeah. We're just going to have grace and extend what the, what the Bible says uh, is long suffering Mm -hmm. sometimes. And, um, and, and, and that builds a lot of rapport yeah, yeah. on the other end, I think, or at least That's I found. Um, the other thing that, that Cassie and I do, because our lives are so hectic, you know, in, in our church, we have Saturday morning prayer, Saturday night services, and then services all day Sunday. Mm. So we, uh, we take Mondays off. Okay. Our pastors take Monday off. So we have one day off a week, and then we work the rest of it. So not having weekends open for our kids makes things complex right. as well. So one of the principles we learned from my, my pastor, Dave and Kate, uh, is the principle of what we call the look ahead. Okay. Now, we haven't been embracing, to be completely vulnerable, we have not been embracing this the past couple <laughs> months, but it's something that has always worked for us mm. and something that uh, whenever we get into an unhealthy rhythm, uh, we get back into it. And the look ahead for us is where we sit down one day a week, we pick one day a week, mm-hmm. we both get our calendars out, and we look ahead at the upcoming week. Mm. And I share everything that I've got going on that yep. could affect her life. She shares everything she's got going on that could affect my life. Yeah. We talk about things that are important to us. And for us, it's like, when are we going to work out? When are we going to yep. run errands? Make sure that we get the big rocks knocked That's out. Good. And, That's good. And doing that weekly yep. has helped us in seasons where things start to get hectic. That's real good. I like that name, The Look Ahead, the because look ahead. we call it our family business meeting. That just doesn't sound, <laughs> as, doesn't sound as sexy. Yeah, look ahead. To borrow man. your term from earlier, right? <laughs> family business meeting, right, you know. Yeah. I tell our, I tell some of our, like, our congregation, hey, you, sh- you need to do this, and it doesn't seem romantic, but I promise you the benefits <laughs> yep, of this. That's right. It will lead to some some romance in your yeah, relationship. Yeah, there you go. But that's it's true, true. man. It, it is, because you're preemptively stopping the little foxes is what mm-hmm. spoils the vine. Yeah, it's the good. little the little things that end up coming in and the little resentments because of the unspoken expectations exactly. or whatever. And so this is putting that out on the table and saying, Hey, how do we how do we manage this? Yeah. Right? How do we forecast this? That's so good. Yeah. The look ahead. The look ahead. Yeah. Remember that. That's that's a good one. And then you you mentioned this too, the expectations. Mm. Managing your expectations, I think, is something we all have as Christians or as yeah. individuals, whether you're a Christian or not, you have to take responsibility for your expectations. Yeah. And if you never communicated your expectations mm. to, to your spouse or to somebody and they're not upholding your unspoken expectations, that's one of the most selfish things you can do, I mm. believe. And, and we're all guilty of that, myself included. So if we can get better at those things, right. you know, just communicating your expectations, that, that helps too. Yeah, that's really good, man. That's really good. Have there been some... Um, some things specifically that you feel like have come up over the past couple of years yeah. that maybe you were, I'm kind of jumping back a little bit, but that mm-hmm. maybe you've realized you were suppressing or masking in your pain and, and how have you dealt with those in retrospect then? Yeah, know? that's great. Um, well, I think for me, uh, one of the things that I've discovered is there's a, um, so I'm very, I'm very out, outgoing. Yeah. I enjoy large groups of people. Um, uh, you know, I, I enjoy speaking publicly yeah. when I get the opportunity to do that. I enjoy leading people, but um, I'm also 
I'm also somewhat introverted. Mm. And so for me, insecurity was one thing I really had to battle mm. constantly, constantly putting my worth and my, my value and what I thought other people thought of me, yeah. not even what they thought of me, just what I thought other people thought of yeah. me. And, uh, and I started to recognize a lot of that, um, my first couple of years wow. in ministry. It's something I, you know, I think all of us have to struggle right. with insecurity still. Absolutely. But, um, I think I would always, I would find myself as I walked through the, the pain and mm-hmm. the difficulty of losing Kylie and, um, uh, building, being a part of building a great ministry, mm-hmm. I would, uh, I would start to, I don't know if anybody else does this, but I would start to, uh, to compare myself to this like idealistic faceless person that's yeah. in my position. Right. Right. It's doesn't have a face, doesn't right. have a name, doesn't even exist, doesn't even exist, mm-hmm. but I, I still somehow I can see this person mm. and I'm aspiring to be this person. Mm. And, uh, and I, I, I I did that for so long that I, it it probably triggered some anxiety or depression in my life because yeah. you're chasing after something that doesn't even you exist. Can't achieve it. Yeah, yeah. You can't achieve it. And uh, and so I had to work through. Mm. I had to work through some of that. And you know when you you know this being in ministry and and let me just preface this by saying I'm not a senior leader, mm. so I don't understand the pressure of a senior leader like like you carry. There's mm. a certain weight with that that I've just never experienced before. Mm. It doesn't matter how large our church gets, being an associate. You don't have to deal with the same level of pain yeah. or stress or that a senior leader right. does. So that reminds me, I need to get Pastor Dave on here and talk. We can talk senior leadership. Yeah, pain. You get, yeah, you get him on here to talk senior leadership. He can, he can help. He's amazing. <laughs> but, um, but you know, he's carrying things like payroll sure. and right. all that, and I don't, I don't have to worry about that. Right. So I just get to love people and uh, lead teams, and so, um, but there's still in whatever level of ministry involvement you're in, there's still other people involved Mm -hmm. and people, the longer you get to know them are going to hurt you eventually. Mm -hmm. People will eventually hurt you. And when people hurt you, you have a decision to make. Am I going, what am I going to do with this hurt and this pain? Am I going to extend forgiveness? Mm -hmm. Do I need to build a boundary? What, what you have decisions that you have to make. And I think I mishandled a lot of the decisions in the early days when I got hurt by people mm. and I allowed it to really cut me deep and I kind of hung on to it. And, um, and, and I'll share this with you. There were some, there were some really, really close, I'll, I'll just say this, there's some really close people to me that when, uh, when, when Kylie passed away, they, they didn't want anything really to do with her while mm. she and I were together. But then when she passed away, they wanted to be involved in my life mm. and in Judah's life. And I wasn't ready to let them in, man. Mm. It was hard. And it was really, it took me years to come to a place where I could forgive them. Mm. And I think not forgiving them dried me up a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. And there was a scripture though. We, we, our church talks about this a lot. There's a, a scripture uh, where Jesus says that you need to, we often quote it as you need to pray for those who persecute you mm. or pray for those who hurt you. But Jesus actually, if you look closely, he actually told us what to pray for. Hmm. He said, pray for the happiness of those who hurt you. Wow. He didn't say you have to mean it. He just (laughs) said, pray for the happiness of those who hurt you. (laughs) So I started to embrace that principle a little Mm. bit. And I'll be honest, I don't even think my first few prayers even meant anything Mm. for those people. I was just like, all right, Lord, bless them. And like, that was all I had, right? But as I continued to pray for them and and pray for their happiness, specifically mm. like Jesus asked me to do, I don't even know why he would want us to pray for our enemies to be happy, but that's what he said to do. Yeah. yeah. So started to do that. What I noticed is my heart started to change towards mm. those people, started to soften a little bit. And the, that that callousness around my heart started to change a little bit, started to soften. Wow. And I was eventually able to forgive them and, and let that go. Uh, they still don't have access to right, my life. Right. Uh, they have access to my life, just not on a very deep level. Yeah. But I've forgiven them in my heart, wow. and and I think that's that's what's important. So you know, I had to work through some of that in those early days, and and not knowing how to handle that at first, I think, yeah. kind of set me back a little bit. Man, that's really good. Yeah, it's um, wow. That's I had some I had some thoughts about that, but I'm still. I'm still working through a lot of that stuff. Yeah, yeah you know, just like uh, what it looks like to, because hurt compounds hurt. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you, especially when you go through some deep pain, uh, 
whatever, you know, for us, I felt like my, my life was put on national television, right? Oh, so all was. of a sudden I mean, it it's was. like, right. It was. So all of a sudden it's out, it's out there for display yeah. for everybody to see and exposed, right? And so yeah. then, then there's levels of like pain that can compound that because of like what you said, people asserting themselves into it or giving their opinions about things or hurting you while you're exposed as well. Yeah. That can compound, but at the end of the day, you know, referencing again what Jesus said, disciples turned to him and said, hey, how often should we forgive if right. someone hurts us? And he's like, seven times? Is that how? Is there a threshold? <laughs> like, do we stop? Right. And he's like, no, 70 times seven. Yeah. Like, you you yeah. just keep, you keep forgiving. And you're right. Like, it doesn't mean you let people have access. You still have to do, you have to build some healthy boundaries. Yeah. But you do have to release it in your heart. You do have to love them. And you do have to get to the place where you're praying for their blessing, praying yeah. for their, like praying for their benefit. It's good. Otherwise, you are basically the same. <laughs> you're just perpetuating the hurt. You're, you're, you're guilty of being the same person that hurt you. Yeah. You know? It's good. It's a good way to look and, at it. And, and so instead of like having this cycle of hurt that continues we can stop that by just let's stop. Yeah. We we'll stop it with forgiveness, and I think that's yeah. huge, man. That's really, really, really insightful for myself, a lot, a lot of our listeners, because I, I think that hurt is harbored so much, right? Yeah. It's like this thing that we want to protect because we're comfortable with it. You know, it's sure. like again, it's that me focus thing. Yeah. But if we're right. gonna thrive and step into the future for what God has for us and our destiny, we've got to let that go. Yeah, and I. I really admire you because you, you know, the level of forgiveness you've had to walk through is, mm. is, uh, I'm sure intense. And so, um, and I'm, sh I'm sure it's probably something you got to continue to walk through, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, uh, but I admire you for that. And I think there's very few people who can speak to that subject like you, man. Mm. So it's been, uh, it's been fun to watch and Thanks, inspiring man. to watch you handle your situation the way mm. you have. Because I, I, yeah, I can't imagine having your life on national television and some mm -hmm. of the things people were saying. And uh, it's been, it's been, you're an inspiration. You need to know that. <laughs> well, back at you, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I, I, I don't, I don't just say this to blow smoke. Like my mind almost immediately went to you and was like, how do I, like, mm -hmm. I got to, I, I, you know, you became kind of this, like this anchor for me or this like example of like, mm -hmm. how do I walk through this with faith? Wow. You know, even if I don't feel it right now, how do I like choose faith wow. in the midst of this? And God allowed me to have a glimpse of you in that, in that coffee shop with a strength that gave me the assurance that it's not going to always feel this way. Hmm. I'm going to be able to declare the goodness of the Lord wow. in a coffee shop with somebody one day, yeah. just like myself. And maybe I'm, maybe God's going to use me to preemptively put some faith into somebody before they walk sure. through a tragedy, you know? So it's awesome. But, but that's our lot, man. That's what we're here to do. Yeah. It's just help people. So yep. what's, what's next for Jake Baird? Man? <laughs> what do you guys, what dreams is God putting in your heart? What's next oh, for your man. family? Yeah. What's going on? Well, we're raising three boys and they're, they're all different. So uh, my oldest one, uh, Nathan, he's super smart. He wants to go to college, Judah, wants to probably be a musician. Here's the way I say it. So Nathan will probably be a preacher someday. If yes. I had my way at it, Judah would probably be a worship leader. <laughs> Valor, he just, I mean, he's his namesake, man. He just breaks stuff, yes. fights he's stuff. A warrior. He's probably be like a UFC fighter. <laughs> I don't know what he'll do. So, but, uh, but for our family, man, we're, we are just here sold out to the cause mm. of our, of our local church mm -hmm. and trying to see people come to know Christ and, and just to give some context to your listeners, you know, we've, we've like you, our church is very evangelistically mm -hmm. focused and you know, we've seen over 20,000 people come to know mm. Jesus and Jeez. we'll celebrate eight years in August. So wow. we're sold out to the church and yep. to building the church and launching campuses as yep. Lord willing. And just, we want to make, we want to make Indianapolis or yeah. central Indiana a place that is hard to go to hell from. Yeah, And so if, if we can be, a part of that, however, God wants to use us. We're a ministry mm -hmm. family. This is not just Jake Baird in ministry. Yeah, this right. is not just me as a pastor. We're a ministry family, and That's I great. couldn't do it without the support of my wife and kids. And so uh, we, we do ministry together. That's and great. Daddy's gone along a lot on the weekends, but we try our best to make it up mm -hmm. during the week. And so we're, 
what's next for me is just being sold out to what we're doing here, man. That's great. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, man, it's an honor to have you join me. Thank you. Thanks so much for your life and testimony and continue to press on, dude. Thank you. Finish that race. Thank you. Let's yes, go. Indeed. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Wow. That was awesome. Man. That That's, dude is a stud, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he CrossFits, John. Oh, that's impressive, too. Yes. <laughs> and he CrossFits. Hey, you started yes. CrossFitting, uh, too. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call it officially CrossFitting <laughs> yet. Um, <laughs> oh, which one are you doing? Are you crossing or are you fitting? Right I am I'm just sore all the time. So, <laughs> yes. But, uh, no, that was awesome. What he had to share was just great. I, I love the the part where he was talking about the, the importance of us being a part of the local church. Yeah. That is so important in our life because... Uh, whether we go through something super uh, devastating like losing a spouse mm. or we're just struggling in our parenting yeah. <laughs> or, you know, with with our in-laws or something like that, the, the church is, was created by God to be a community where we can help each other. Right. Right. And so um, it's just so vital that everybody listening is a part of a local church. Yeah. yeah. And I'd even go so far as to say, if you're not connected to a local church, uh, write into us, let us right. know, and we will try to get you connected wherever you're at. Absolutely. Because uh, one thing about this we've started to realize is this has allowed us to get networked all over yeah. the country, really, to all kinds of local churches. So yeah. Uh, I think it'd be awesome just to be able to help our listeners out in that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was t telling somebody about this the other day. Like, you know, we're always, I don't think we'll ever know the like true why of why we walk through any pain or tragedy, mm -hmm. but I'm like, Hey Lord, if I get to heaven and I, and I, and I look at you and say, Hey, why did this happen? And you look at me and say, well, because of what happened to Amanda and her story and the way you guys carried it, you connected thousands, tens of thousands, mm. hundreds of thousands of people to Jesus and to his church. Mm. To me, I'm going, okay. Yeah. Okay. There's purpose in that. I mm. mean, that I can get around that. Yeah. You know, and, and so, yeah, just to echo what John said, seriously, if, if you're, if you don't have a local church that you're a part of, that you're plugged into, that you're planted in, um, we'd love to help you with that. Uh, we can't promise that we can find one for you, but man, we will put it out to all of our networks and try to find a great spot for you to visit, great place for you to get connected. You can email us at hello at resonateindy.com. Just shoot an email, say, hey, I live in Denver, Colorado, or I live in wherever, you know, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I don't know. Is that even a place? I don't even know. That's a place. Podunkville, our country, right? Yeah. <laughs> I live here. I'm looking for a church. Can you help me? Yeah. Hello at resonateindy.com. We'd love to to be able to help you with that. And um, it'd be our greatest honor to to serve you in that way. And uh, if you live in Indianapolis, come and hang out with us at Resonate. Absolutely. We'd love to have you. Or we can help you find a, another church to, to get connected to. Yeah. That's honestly our, our heart. So, and if this has been helpful to you, um, it really helps us when you rate and review this. So wherever you listen, iTunes, um, whether you listen to it on Stitcher or Google Play, you can rate and review this podcast. It's very helpful for us, one, to just hear your story and, and to know that, but also this helps the, the podcast to, to kind of get up in the, in the exposure for more and more people to listen to it. So we're so appreciative of all of those, you, you guys who have rated and reviewed it. And um, so we'd love for, for you, if you haven't done that, to go ahead and do that. Yeah, absolutely. If you got any questions or prayer needs or prayer requests, or you just like to connect with us a little better, uh, just write in at hello at resonateindy.com, and, and we'd love to connect with you a little better, uh, point you in the right direction in, in your faith journey. It'd just be awesome to, to partner with you. Absolutely. And as always, thank you, Sleeping at Last, for providing all the music to this. You can download his music anywhere that music can be downloaded or streamed. It's fantastic. So download Sleeping at Last. Thanks again for joining us this time on the Nothing is Wasted podcast, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>